as you find your seats. Now, I'm a little nervous. I thought maybe it'd be me and about five people here with that passing of the peace. Came up here to preach real quick before anybody said step out in the hall. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 as we continue our journey together in God's holy and errant word, looking at this incredible letter of Paul's that he is telling us about a mystery that God has revealed to us. A mystery that God is going to unite all things. He is going to bring peace and unity of all things in Christ. It's amazing. He begins with his children. So let's start off with prayer. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, again, before you I stand, before your people, feeling undone, incomplete, and unworthy. But Father, may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable to You and to You alone. Would You use these words and empower them through Your Spirit to pierce our hearts and minds for the glory of Christ, for the unity of the Bride, for the mission in which You have called us as ambassadors of reconciliation. Father, come and speak in a way that we know for sure that You are here with us. In a way that makes us more like Your Son, Jesus. In a way that encourages us and challenges us all at the same time. Convicts us of our sin. In a way that brings us again to the cross of Christ where we realize we have peace with You and peace with one another. May You receive all glory. May we receive joy and challenge. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This week, I saw a bumper sticker that maybe some of you all have seen before. An interesting message with interesting symbol. One word. Kind of clever how this word is communicated to us through religious symbols. A word coexist. Coexist, a word that certainly we all are familiar with. Living together in one place in harmony, including a Muslim crescent, a peace sign, symbols for male and female, the Star of David, the yin and yang of Eastern religion, the cross of Christ. Not sure what the eye and the star is, but coexist. What do you think? What's the first thing that comes in your mind when you saw this? I guarantee you. How many people have seen this bumper sticker out and about? I mean, most everybody. What's the first thing that comes in your mind? Okay, now now listen, this is a rhetorical question. (laughs) Sorry, I should have made it clearer. What is the first thing that does pop in your head when you see this? Let me ask you this question rhetorically. What kind of worldview do you think this person has? What kind of religious background? What kind of philosophy? How are they living their life? 
didn't plan on telling you that, this, but there was another bumper sticker and it said this, hate is not a family value. Okay, thank you. Uh, Interesting. But how should the followers of Christ feel about this message, really? I mean, is this our message? Is this the message of Jesus? I mean, I have been trying to communicate with you that God's Word reveals to us very clearly in the book of Ephesians that God's plan, His A plan that will never be thwarted, that He is coexisting, He's uniting all things in Christ. Not only in heaven, but also on earth. So, how does this message align with Christ's message. Well, in this message, you can see Christ is one of many. Christ is a way. Christ is a part. Christ is in line. But in Scripture, that is not anywhere the truth. In Scripture, Christ is God alone, Christ Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Jesus is not one of many. He is the only one. He is the head of the church. He is God Almighty. He and He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. I had a visitor knock on my door this week. Maybe they knocked on yours. Knocked on my door at a time that wasn't very convenient for me. Never seems to be. Getting Katie comfortable with her first week of chemo. Having now a doorbell ring. My golden retrievers are going crazy. I should have just let them out. Um, but, but sadly, all they would have done is roll over and said, scratch my belly. But I went to the door It wasn't a good time. And I was going to have two ladies tell me about Jesus. They spoke of Jesus, and I'm going to use their Jesus with a small j, of one who is created like you and me, one who is not equal to the Father. And what does the message of coexist have to do with them? They too claim to know Jesus as Jehovah Witnesses. And yet there wasn't a whole lot of coexisting going on in my life. And I know what I've mentioned from the pulpit in the years that I've been here, that I have had interaction with them at my house. There's a part of me that's very diabolic and love it because they don't know who I am. And to me it's a challenge and that's completely wrong. It's not a challenge. It's life and death eternity. I mean, the truth is, one of us is right and one of us is wrong. And I finally got to an agreement with them saying, wouldn't you agree that one of us is damnable for our belief? Because I say Jesus is God. And I say Jesus is truly God's only begotten, eternal Son. And I am saved by the blood of the Lamb. She said, I can't even believe that I'm saved. And I said, I pity you. And I feel for you. 
But am I supposed to coexist? And I want you to know that I have heartburn for the rest of the day because I'm trying to love them and yet I want them to know and even say this. I want you to know that you will leave here and I am going to pray against your message. Because you are going to ring the doorbell of my friends and my neighbors and you are going to tell them a lie about who Jesus is. Is that Christian thing to do? The right thing to do? I mean... How does that go along with coexisting? I mean, the reality is religion divides, isn't it? I mean, we fight each other, we kill each other, we hate each other over religion. And then we haven't talked about the Southern Baptist yet. (laughs) (laughs) Of a former Baptist, I love him. I really do. But what I want you to hear is this. Listen, religion divides. Relationship unites. Religion divides. Relationship unites. Religion divides. But a true saving relationship with Jesus unites Jew, Gentile, male, female, black, white, Hispanic, whoever you are, in God's creation, a relationship with Jesus Christ unites. We truly are family in Christ. But we see that religion often divides. Last week, we looked at a very important passage of Scripture. If, you're, if you weren't here, let me strongly exhort you, member or, or uh, regular visitor. It's on the web. You can get it in the lobby. It talks about who we are apart from Christ individually. Last week, we looked at who we are individually without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we realize we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are separated from a loving God. And we also looked at this incredible passage, but God, rich in mercy, who has united us to Christ and who we are in Christ. And in Christ, by God's grace, through the gift of faith, we have been made alive. We have been raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. We are new creatures in Christ. We are forgiven. We are born again. We are now God's workmanship, His poem. We are His masterpiece. We are His trophies of His grace. We are exhibits of His skill. That is who we are individually in Christ. It's good news. This week, Paul tells us who we are collectively in Christ. Who we are together. Who we were together apart from Christ. Specifically, the Gentiles. Those who were not of Jewish descent. And who we are now as a family. There's going to be three things that we're going to look at this morning. Briefly, before communion. Who we are separated from Christ collectively. Who we are united in Christ And who we are as a family in Christ. First of all this, who we are separated in Christ. Let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians 2. Today's reading of God's Word is going to coincide with my three points. And we're going to start by reading verses 11 and 12. Therefore, I remember Chuck preaching here at this church and always saying, you always want to know why a therefore is what it's there for. It's going to unite the last passage of telling us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins individually. Now it's going to tell us who we are collectively. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision 
by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at a time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. Interesting, here's how it starts off. Basically saying, let's start with name calling. Remember, some of you called yourself circumcised. Some of you called yourself uncircumcised. That, those were derogatory terms. That's an uncircumcised. Usually a Jewish person would probably put an expletive like dog after that. And it's interesting too because a Jewish descent person, a one who was circumcised, would make fun of non-Jewish folks because their gods were made by hands of flesh. They would say there are no gods at all. But yet now Paul, with very incredible tongue-in-cheek nature, is going to call those who have been circumcised by hands of flesh. He's in an amazing way uniting both Jew and Gentile right here as religion, not relationships. So we begin by a little bit of name-calling, and we got to remember um, that... In the beginning, all of us were alienated from God. Alienated from God and God's people. That's why who they want, what Paul wants to tell us who we are apart from Christ. Who we are, we're alienated from God. This word alienated from God is the word that we come up with, atheist. We are apart or not believing God. When I say to you, what is an atheist? Most of you will respond properly according to our understanding of that is a non-belief in God. Well, let me tell you, these Gentiles were not atheists that way. They believed in many gods. But according to God's Word, if you believe in a God who was made by hands, if you believe in a God other than Jehovah God, the triune God, you are not believing in a God. You're atheist. And again, in tongue-in-cheek fashion, what Paul is doing is using a term that the Jews were called during the Roman days, and especially the Christians, we were called atheists. Why? Because they didn't see us sacrificing to a God. Because they didn't see us making images of a God. Because God commands us not to make an image of Him. How can we? It's idolatry. So here is an amazing play of words of this word atheist. But what God is saying to us in His Word through the pen of Paul is this. Apart from Christ, you and I have a really major problem. Jew or Gentile alike, we are alienated. We are atheists. We are alienated from the true and living God. And we are alienated from His people. It's a bad thing not be connected to a church. It's a bad thing not to be connected to God's people. We were made for Him and made for one another. But what I love about Paul is what he is going to say so perfectly again and again. If you hear nothing else, remember, it's not about religion. It's about what? Relationship. Turn back one page to Galatians. The book of Galatians, Galatians 6. Paul is going to tell us in this passage, I love this, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new 
creation. Here's what Paul's saying. It doesn't matter what religion you have that's external. It doesn't matter who baptized you, although it's important. It doesn't matter ultimately in eternity if you're circumcised or not. Here's the bottom line. Are you born again? Here's the bottom line. Are you a new creature in Christ? Has your sins been paid for on the cross of Christ? Have you put your faith in Him? Are you robed in His righteousness? God now calls us His masterpiece, His poem, those in Christ who have been made alive. So Paul says it's not about religion. It's not. It's not. It's about relationship. And sometimes we get hung up because why? Religion divides. But relationship unites. Again, it's not about that circumcision or not. The bottom line is Jesus. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Anyone, any single person of all of creation from every tribe, tongue, and nation who want to have life and life eternally must go through me. I am not one of many. I am the only way, the only truth, the only life. It doesn't matter about external religion. It matters about relationship. Have you embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's what it's all about. Who we are apart from Him. Well, we are alienated. Not only that, we're strangers. We're strangers of the covenant of promise. It's saying that these Gentiles, they didn't have the law of Moses. They didn't have these promises. They were alienated and strangers from them. But we see that all these promises, by the way, in the New Testament, meet their yes and fulfillment in Christ. So sadly, of the Jewish descent have all these promises, but miss all the fulfillment in Christ. When was the last time you felt like a stranger? Is it a good feeling? When was the last time you just felt like you didn't belong? Awkward. And if there's anyone here visiting today, I want to say thanks for coming because I, 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 I really do appreciate how overwhelming it is to come into a new place. And just to feel like, where's worship and where do I go and what do these people do and, and what is this all about? It's tough, isn't it? And I hope and pray that you will feel very welcome because you're among friends, fellow broken sinners. But when was the last time you felt like a stranger? Was it in a foreign country? Was it in a unique business environment. Maybe it was at a friend's house, a neighbor's house. The last time I felt like a stranger was walking in this week to the doctor's office to get chemotherapy with Katie. I just felt like I didn't belong. I just wanted to run out and say, are you kidding me? And, you know, I felt like we walk in the office, we have like newbie on us, you know. Everybody else kind of like knows what they're doing. They know where to go, how to sign in. Everybody, it's kind of like you walk in the nursery. Those of you who've been here, you know where to go, how to sign in. And we just had this big sign on this newbie. We have no idea. I'm carrying around bags with me. I don't know, you know, what am I going to be able to read? Where I'm gonna, everywhere I go, I'm a pack mule. Where do I sign in? Who do I pay? Who do we see? It was an awful feeling. Being a stranger away from God is a horrible feeling. Why? Because you and I have been created in His image. We've been created to know and to love Him and experience His love. Who are we apart from Christ? We are strangers. Strangers to God. And what a horrible position. And listen, that stranger to God should lead us to empathy and love those who don't know Him fully. That's where I believe I was wrong at the door. I wasn't really leading with love and mercy. I wanted to lead with good theology and a hammer. 
You don't get it. And listen, I think that there's some truth to having some righteous anger there. Because they were telling a lie to my neighbors. But the reality is that they were strangers to God's promises in Christ Jesus. She was unable to say to me, I know I am saved. Where I was able to say, I'm not a stranger. Because God's word is true and I've confessed with my heart, my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. So I believe in Romans 10.9, I am saved by the blood of the Lamb. I'm not a stranger to God. I deserve to be a stranger to God. I deserve to be far off, and so do you. But in Christ, we're not strangers. Isn't that awesome? Who we are apart and who we are with Him. It also says in that passage, we are hopeless in the world without Christ. Do we really believe the world is hopeless apart from Christ? Because you know what? They don't look very hopeless. Sometimes they look like they have it all together. But Scripture says very clearly, without Christ, we're hopeless. Remember, Galatians 6.15, it's not about religion. It's not about circumcision or uncircumcision. That's nothing. It's all about relationship in Christ Jesus. So who we are, separated from Christ. Let's look at who we are, united to Christ in verses 13 through 17. But now, just in last passage, if you remember, if you were here last week, that, that incredible hinge that turned from dead in our trespasses and sins, but God, rich in mercy, made us fully alive. Now we have another hinge that's going to be such good news. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself, Jesus Himself, is our peace, who made both one, both Jew and Gentile, all things one, and has broken down in His flesh The dividing wall of hostility. Paul probably has in mind here the dividing wall of the temple that had a a wall that kept the Gentiles out. And on that wall had a sign that says, do not trespass or you will die. That's a hostile dividing wall in the temple of God that God Himself is knocking down. How did he do it? By abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances. He fulfilled the moral law. He is doing away with the ceremonial law that he may create in himself one new man in place of two, and so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Get in your mind's eye what the cross was all about. God is uniting humanity to Himself, and He can't do it apart from the cross. That's the only way that the hostility was destroyed. Who we are now in Christ. We are united. We have peace in Him. We are one Christ is making us one. This is exactly what Jesus prayed for in His high priestly prayer in John 17. He's saying, Father, may they be one. May the followers of of Christ, of you and me, be one as you and I are one. That's what Jesus prayed. We are now one. We are united. Seminole, Gator, UCF. We are now one. Black, white, Hispanic in Christ. We are now one. We are now one. We, that's how He sees us as united in one. We are new humanity. The two have become one as God has intended it to be. Here's what it says we're a new humanity. Ready for this? 
You and I, in Christ Jesus, as His masterpiece, as His poem, we are now with a relationship with Him as God has created us to be, walking and talking and loving Jesus. We are to be a colony of heaven on earth. We're this new humanity that's supposed to show the whole world what it really means to live, to bring Him glory, to receive His love, to love one another, to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbors as ourselves. We have been called to a new humanity. That's us. That's how He sees us, completely different from the rest of the world. We are now to exhibit what the Jewish word would be shalom, peace. We in Christ Jesus have peace with God. We have Him. Peace with God. He's a holy God. But in Christ we have peace with Him. Do you know that peace? Now we're supposed to have shalom, peace with one another. Listen, this peace is really living our lives as God has intended it to be. We have been reconciled. Hostility has been killed. We've been reconciled in Christ. Reunited. I wrote down in my notes... Reunited and it feels so good. (laughs) And it does. We've been reconciled and reunited in Christ. We are family in Christ. You know, I'm going to come back and pick this up next week. This is such incredible of what we are as family of Christ. We have been connected to Him. We're citizens, family, a holy temple. I don't have time for us because we got to come to a table that reminds us that we have been united in Christ. Don't, don't, don't go away now. I'm not all done. You all think I've stopped. So uh, hold on. Don't leave me mentally. We've we're, we're, we got to remind ourselves that God has a picture for us of being one in Christ, of being made alive in family. We now have access to the Father. We have incredible life, life that is everlasting. And what God is doing in this meal is He's reminding us of the cost of His Son to make us alive. The cost of His Son to make us one. The cost of His Son to make us family. And as an exhortation as your pastor, before you go to this meal, examine your hearts. Are you doing everything you need to do to be united and reconciled to God? Is there anything in your heart that needs to be cleansed? Confess your sin. Come to the table. Humble yourself. Because if we confess our sin and our unrighteousness, He is so faithful to forgive us and cleanse us. Is there someone you need to be reconciled with? Ask God. Say, God, who do I need to make peace with? Because listen, the way Satan wants to destroy us is he wants to divide what God has united. And he wants to start with the church. He wants to start with you and me and letting bitterness get in the way. We've been united for Christ. Let's fight to maintain the unity in Him. Let's pray, and then after I pray, the elders are going to come forward and prepare the table. As they prepare the table, it's a time for you to prepare your heart to come and meet with Christ. Let us pray. Father God, we thank You for who we are as a family in Christ. And as Your Word shows us, God, apart from Christ... We have no hope. Apart from Christ, we're we're alienated from the true and living God. Apart from You, we're strangers. But Father God, in You, we've been brought near. We've been made one. We are a new humanity in Christ. Now feed us for the journey. 
Father, You have reconciled us to Yourself through the work of Your Son, empowered by Your Spirit, so that now we have the ministry of reconciliation. God, may we live our lives reconciled to You, continually confessing our sins. May we live our lives reconciled to one another. Father, thank You for this master plan. Prepare our hearts now to be ambassadors of reconciliation. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.